Hi everyone, welcome to 90th Minute Winner. Uh, thanks for listening so far to all four episodes we've published um, in social media, so Twitter, um, LinkedIn especially, so appreciate everyone who's listened. Um, special guest today is Lloyd Miller. Now I've known Lloyd for a good 10 years since we went to college together. Our sort of careers have taken a different path um, and I'm here to discuss Lloyd's path today. Um, mainly talking about what he, his time in America, um, but also his ambitions for the future. And he's also started a, a series of webinars uh, since we started the lockdown, which have been very successful so far. So I'm um, looking forward to talking to Lloyd about that. So thanks for joining us today, Lloyd. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, uh, you offering the invite. I'm looking forward to it. So I just want to get straight into things. Um, again, what I mentioned before, that the main the main objective of the the episode today is to discuss your time in America. So, notice when you you made some notes before we came on that you were pretty much thrown straight into the deep end. Was that planned, or was it a case of you just applied for a job and then when you got there, it was it was sort of unexpected? Yeah, uh, good question, really, because the um, the role was the one that I applied for as a director of coaching. Um, so. That was like the initial job advert that um, kind of was put across when starting the interview process. So, in short, when I uh, when I kind of researched the, the opportunities out in America, Global Premier Soccer, who I worked for, was was a really appealing club to work for. Um, for several reasons, which I'm sure we'll touch on throughout this podcast. Um, and the way they did it really was. Um, reach out first um, with cover letter, CV, any references, and then they'll reply whether A, you're an initial good candidate for a rule, but then which rules, because they were so big, which rules and which locations um, would be best suited for you. And then it would obviously be followed by a Skype, couple of Skype interviews. Yeah, so... With, you know, as soon as you say director, director sounds like something that you pretty much oversee everything within the club. Was was that the case or was it a case if you had others alongside you who would look after certain aspects of the club and you would only focus on the football? Yeah, so um, I was quite fortunate throughout my time there to have uh, like kind of a bit of a mentor who had already worked at the club for numerous of years before I joined Join the club. Uh, so Ryan Louis, someone that I still keep in touch with today since moving back to Newcastle. But Ryan was like premier director, and then you'd have the director of coaching. We share a lot of roles together. We share like a small office together in in a larger office. So it was a like kind of a paired relationship. But ultimately, um, the premier director role would would make a lot of the bigger decisions in terms of structure and um, everything that kind of comes with that such as it could be the calendar for the season in terms of what leagues tournaments we put certain teams in it could be finance where we direct our finances towards building our program in terms of the facilities etc so um, fortunately when I went into the role it was kind of a, a paired relationship with with Ryan yeah so you know, you've already you've already mentioned before that you knew when when you went over there that 
what the what the job role covered and you know what your title or your role was as such in the club was there anything over there because i know america um you you know this a lot more than i do but anything culturally which you you sort of were took by surprise with or you know was there anything which you thought you'd be surprised by and it, it actually is very very similar to, to coaching in england I think with that one, there's there's um, certainly like positives and negatives with the the football soccer landscape in America. I'll uh, some of the positives were um, how well families make you feel at home and how welcoming they are. That was a real big plus. Um, funny enough, on the webinars I've just done lately, we talking about first impressions. I'll not forget the first impression I had coming into the office, which. Sounds really, really small, but um, having my desk set out, stationary, a little plan for the week, uh, what it looked like, um, just little things like that, uniform ready. Um, it just really started off really well. Um, outside the office, the players were great. Obviously, they loved having a bit of a foreign coast with a, with a bit of a funny accent. So there was a lot of like bound, like, I don't know, say barriers, initial barriers with meeting some someone new like me, or vice versa, me meeting a new group of players and several groups with having more than one team, where there was a lot of things that we could joke about and have a bit of banter, if you like, to uh, to really start building on that player coach relationship early. Yeah. So everyone, everyone you speak to when. The move abroad or the coach abroad for a short period of time, they always say the same thing in terms of the ability of the player. You know, you go to countries which aren't renowned for ability and generally when it comes to the national team don't do very well when it comes to, to competitions. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have said about America before about, you know, a lot of people don't realise how good technically Americans are. Would you agree with that? And is there anything else within the player which you would say they have better than English players, so psychologically, are they better psychologically set up to succeed than English players, for example? Yeah, um, so something that I think that surprised me first was the initial standard of, of players there, both whether it be girls, boys, men's, women's, with also working at college level out there. I think, um, I, I wouldn't say I underestimated that the skill level at the at the start of going out there but it was certainly at a higher level than I anticipated which was really refreshing Yeah. so that almost gave me you know the challenge of quickly reflecting and then being able to quickly plan um, plan within, within, with the skill level in mind in terms of player attributes I think um, they're a lot more athletic so their endurance for me they could be able, you know, they're able to perform for a lot longer. Now, is that as effective as being more technical? It obviously opens it up to a big debate, but they did seem to have generally um, better fitness levels. There's a lot more emphasis out there on having one-on-one coaching, particularly athletic coaches who work on uh, different types of training, whether it be fartlek interval, uh, could be as simple as sprint training whether that's sports specific, so um, obviously using football and different kind of system specific exercises, there is a lot more emphasis on that. 
um, and certainly being back here for four months, um, although being in a bit of a lockdown, it does still seem to to be a bit more um, part of the sport and culture out there. And that's not just specific to football. It can be American football, um, basketball, um, track and field. There's a lot of uh, additional coaching that gets provided and obviously with that comes a cost. So a lot of families do invest not just time but financially in sports for their kids in America. Yeah, I was literally just just got to ask the question. You've answered it pretty much um, spot on there. I was going to ask, you know, in England, I know a lot of a lot of kids who play football every every single day, whether it be at school, whether it be just turning up at recreational sessions, whether it be playing for a team. Is is there a lot of demand in America for that sort of stuff in terms of not just football but cross curricular? Um, did you see? Did you have an opportunity to see a lot of school stuff or was it very much just, you know, when the football was starting, that was it and that it was just separate to what, what you saw in schools? Yeah, I mean, personally in Buffalo, was I, was, I wasn't I was too sure how, how many other sports he played. Um, weather's obviously a lot colder there than, say, on the, on the West Coast. But ultimately, kids still play multiple sports there. In particular, in Buffalo, because of how close it is to Canada, um, football and ice hockey are, are huge. Yeah. Um, but also within school term time, basketball, track and field, um, are, and obviously American football are, are quite big. And towards the end of my time there, I think I heard a lot of American football talked about a lesson conversation with kids when you know, just talking about everyday things and what they're looking, what sports they're looking to play for the upcoming season um, and, and so forth. So there is there is a lot of commitment with that. So as a coach and certainly, you know, with with obviously the research that kind of backs it and early specialisation, we as a club kind of made sure that across the board, particularly at the younger ages, so, you know, using a particular age up to under 13, that we back and we support kids missing practice here and there throughout the season to go and do other sports. Um, so, for instance, during the winter months, you might have three sessions per week, but me personally, would in, I'd encourage kids to make at least two of them and that, the one that they would miss. Might, they might be going to gymnastics, they might be skiing, and they might be, you know, like one of the other club sports that I've mentioned. And... And that's fine. I think the fact that our programme was set up where we had quite a bit of contact time, it obviously allowed for that. If we had less contact time, then, you know, it would be um, a little bit tougher for us to see a purely football um, improvement short term. But yeah. ultimately, like, I'm sure we've all seen the, the improvements kids make long term play multiple sports and in Buffalo surprised me with that with how many sports kids still play there yeah which is great great so when you went over there uh, I'm going slightly back uh, backtracking a little bit but when you went over there obviously when you you'd coached in England previously to, to go into America and then you went to America and then you've came back we we all know when we coach in England the, the standard sort of day 
for a coach, it would be you go to work, unless you coach full-time, of course. You go to work, you finish work, you do your training with your, your grassroots team, you go home, you start again the next day. Was there anything in America when, when you went there and did you expect it to be the same or was it, again, was it just a case of playing it by ear and just seeing how, how things panned out? Sure, I think the big thing that surprised me, Scott, was the amount of off-field work needed. Um, if I was to, you know, give two percentages, one office work, two on the pitch coaching, I think it was probably 60-40 in the office. Yeah. And the 40% would be, you know, a combination of training and matches. Yeah. So that really did take me by surprise. Um but I tell you what, the rewarding feeling of seeing the club grow certainly made it all worthwhile, and in particular working with other like-minded staff, um, both on the pitch but also off it, really did help help that process. So my role as director of coaching, some of the things I would do, some being shared with Ryan, but some would be just um, a little bit of fight or flight or sink or swim, if you like, would be looking at... Um, the curriculum within the club, and again, this would also be shared, but it would kind of be driven somewhat by me. Um, the seasonal calendars, so basically looking at the um, potential of teams, the age, standards, looking up at the makeup. Is it is it heavily with new players, regardless of their age, are they quite new to playing soccer? And then based this a season of around 10 months, probably normally taking in around 40 games, just making sure that um, with planning in advance of the season that it was going to be the best fit for those players. Yeah. Um, Great. And then other rules, just included, um sorry. No, go on. Another, go on. Like, another rule was like uh, facility management. I had zero experience going in, but then... <clears throat> trying to balance facility management with a budget to make sure that we're in cramming teams on the same pitch, but we're getting a good balance between being effective with that, the money that we're, we're bringing in, but also making sure that, you know, teams had frequent practice time and sufficient space. Those were the two two questions we'd ask ourselves when we'll give, like, a, a, a training time to a certain team, you know? Yeah. And then really to try and make sure that over like twenty odd teams that it was quite equal was a uh, was a challenge. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think some people don't understand when the, you know, when people coach grassroots teams and they do the hour a week and they do an hour on a Saturday. When you compare that to when people do it full time, I don't think people, you know, they realise what it is that's required to actually keep a club afloat or keep a club developing um, and it's those sorts of things like you mentioned your facility management who 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 would have thought that actually you need to make sure that this team has to be on at this pitch at this time and, and so on and so forth so the challenges there sometimes come away from the coaching would you agree with that? Yeah definitely and um, that's a, a massive massive part of it and I think patience, I think certainly being able to work with others to get their opinion. Um, so some 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 elements, for instance, going just on a purely facility management would be your hands are tied with some coaches that are part-times 
um, availability. So they can only do certain nights because they have their family themselves. Yeah. Or the kids play so- Some of the kids don't play soccer, but so certain nights are elsewhere with one of the child. So we have to take all these other random factors that maybe just don't, you know, appear to be, you know, a priority. But it, but it is because there's no point, obviously, putting a, a particular coach on a certain night and then they're not available because then you've got to rejig everything. So it's yeah, like a constant kind of battle. With all these things. Yeah. Um just a couple of things to to ask you before we move on to to other parts of what we're going to talk about today. When you went to college, you know, we 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 talked but we didn't really you know know each other that well. So therefore I didn't understand what your ambitions were when you left college. Was 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 America always the plan or was it was it just a case of a job's come up and I fancy a new challenge? Yeah, I think um, it's funny that because we'll obviously see each other around the, the college um, quite a bit. But I think I just kind of had two options, either PE teaching or coaching. And back then it probably was my decision or my ambition was probably edge more towards uh, becoming a PE teacher. I really didn't think I could make a full-time career um, out of out of coaching, really. Yeah. I think it's the, it's what everyone says about you know you if you want to do what you want to do you've got to you've got to work hard and you've got to you've got to believe in yourself almost so I know me personally I've never never been one to to want to go abroad and coach but is it something you'd recommend to to people out there who maybe aren't so sure? For me personally, I can't encourage people to to coaches to try coaching abroad enough um even if it's like for a week once in your coaching career i think it's one opportunity to take yourself out of your comfort zone um it could be that you know you're obviously working with new players new clubs new coaches that are there uh, new languages um and it's and it's an easy way to take yourself out of your comfort zone and, and go against the norm which might be a your Monday to Saturday schedule. Um, and, and and again, like another big plus is, let's not forget you that you get the chance to see some of the world. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly. another massive factor to me. Yeah, it's a good point. So moving on, even though it's, you know some of the things we've spoke about will link together with what you, you're doing now with your, your webinars, which I've certainly been really impressed by how the caliber of guests you've managed to get on um and you know don't take that the wrong way at all but has being in america helped you with those contacts or was you know did you always have those contacts and was that was that again was that the plan or um because like i said you've managed to get on some some really good people so far and it's only it's only getting better from from what you're going from from uh, social media yeah actually um I'd probably say no, certainly not my, I wouldn't say that my time in America helped build contacts that I've actually used and is, as, as a driving force for the webinars and stuff. Um, do, I think skills that I've certainly developed, such as like autonomy, leadership, planning, organization, all that certainly lent itself towards making what was only meant to be two or three webinars, um, last as many as the half so far. Actually, I think, if I think back to, like, a big mental 
here in, in the northeast actually in the Newcastle United Foundation was was probably one of the big driving forces because he like subtly challenged me yeah um to be better and obviously that's that quote of Shai Ben's getting out so a lot of the people that I've got on are coaches that I know from the Newcastle northeast area um and then potentially people that they've met on their higher level courses have kind of made us like put in touch with um and it's kind of like spiraled from there yeah I was going to say because you've already changed the the name of the the webinars and you've got a sort of a full image image for the the webinars now as well so when you first named a coaching abroad was it only to to do that was it only to discuss coaching abroad and then and then that would be it or was the coaching abroad just the the main title of it and then you would go off and disperse into different groups and discuss different things um yeah it was it was really to go with that coaching abroad title for say three four webinars if that depending on what the um what the return was from people taking an interest and engaging in them um and then kind of after the third one we had a, i think we had like 35 40 people on and you know i got a couple of messages saying is this something you want to do long term i think it might be a good idea so all of a sudden um me and George, who do it together, we, we kind of said, we can either scrap it and just be like, she has great experience. We're pleased that people have benefited and engaged from it, but um, it's not really something that we really envisaged or wanted to do long-term, but it was a total opposite. And I think obviously this lockdown situation's helped because we have a lot more time to plan and organise and deliver these webinars. But I think personally I've gained a lot from it, but... It's great to see so many people um, from, from what, what was just a random thought and seeing other people do webinars, we thought, okay, what's maybe not being done regularly? Well, maybe it's coaching abroad, so we'll do, it might give us legs to do two or three of them. Yeah. Um, and then obviously took off. I was going to say that the webinars and the, you know, the podcasts, even, even before before lockdown podcast weren't uncommon but webinars certainly were i think we've we've all took a lot from either attending webinars or hosting webinars and it's you know it's not something i've i've thought about doing but i've I've definitely enjoyed a certain amount of webinars and yours is one of them um as well as the the one i do with the foundation who i work for um what do you think makes makes yours different apart from, you know, the guests you get on is, you know, it's a high profile thing that you're getting the guests on, but what do you think makes your webinars different to everybody else's? <laughs> Good question. I think, um, I guess there's a lot of great webinars and we've took little bits of ideas. I think um, a few of them was really like looking at what topics other people are doing and then maybe thinking of maybe doing a tangent topic to that or something that's completely new, something that hasn't been covered and and, and and really making sure that it's contextual to what coaches live and breathe in their in their coaching life. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, an example could be moving away from a coaching report topic, Neil Winskill thanked you know, very grateful that he he delivered a webinar on coaching in pairs, which I've I've never really listened into before um, and I haven't 
seen too much in, information put out there on, on coaching in, in pairs and how you can be effective. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And that's sort of the answer I was I was hoping <laughs> hoping you'd give. Um, I know we said before we came on about curveballs, but I didn't want to put you in too much of an awkward position. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think that's that's the big thing for for coaches who are who are on these webinars. I think they want something different, and there have been a few out there that have been pretty similar topics. And um, I don't mind saying that I haven't really took a lot away from it. But the ones you've you've done, I I think because of the way you and George facilitated as well, I think it's it's pretty free free for the for the people who come on to, to go and do their own thing with it. Yeah, and, and a big thing is is trying to get some feedback after the initial ones and, and like being quite thorough about it. So trying to basically put on the end of an email, you know, we generally do want to hear your suggestions for future webinar topics. Yeah. So it matches the needs and want coaches that are engaging in the webinars. Um, I, think I, I, think, in, I think it's important, isn't it, to get opinions from... From others as opposed as opposed to being quite egotistical and going well, we'll just do this because we'll fancy it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you might get ten people jump on it, and you're scratching your head why. But it's it's like it's like I said, it's not really what coaches want to learn more about. Yeah. So moving on slightly, so you've you know the age you're at now and the experiences you've had is probably something experiences that coaches won't have had yet um so example coaching abroad um getting their honors degree getting the master's degree which is it's a very impressive cv um what now would you say are the, are the ambitions for yourself in the next i don't know three four five six years um <laughs> i think i'm enjoying being back home and, and really um getting around friends family but also like those like in the close neck coaching circles who I kept in, I try to keep in touch with as much as I can whilst being away, but certainly were a big influence on my coaching. Um, in the like in the five years I worked in the Christianity Foundation before I moved to America, I think you really coming back show that you can't take those kind of relationships for granted because it certainly motivates me to be better. It, it allows me to bounce things around off people so um continuing those relationships will be certainly one one thing i want to continue doing since coming back yeah um as a short-term goal other goals um i'd like to you know see where see where the career goes with with the foundation i think with most foundations are constantly growing to, to meet the supply and demand of sport yeah, and in, in whether it be in outside of schools or in college um, environments, um, in terms of coaching qualifications, I would like to do me the way for a license. Yeah, um, I'm certainly not wanting to jump from qualification to qualification, and it's been six years since I did my B license. Unfortunately, I've had opportunities where I can coach that particular level of coaching session quite regularly in that time so I feel like it's it's been a good practice period if you like in terms of learning and trial and error and failing to, to really set myself up to go all right actually now I generally think an A license would be would be a good time to do yeah um 
it's quite refreshing to hear that actually the first thing you mentioned about building relationships and maintaining relationships with your your coaches your family your friends because it's not just experience you get on the grass it's it's life experience and no doubt the experience you would have got abroad would is is invaluable to to yourself and it's at those sort of experiences you can take back bring back home and you can share with others and like you've mentioned before you do recommend that people try it if you hadn't been you wouldn't have been able to to pass that experience on yeah yeah no i agree and um you know just thinking back now like as as, as we chat through the, through the podcast it's it's funny how quickly you can just pick certain points off when you've been away um and that's probably no different to picking points if you coach in different areas you know locally here in england or in the northeast for instance but it's 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 great to have that like picture like for instance i was like doing a session in the favela in brazil like was was unbelievable but i'm just laughing now when i'm trying to speak broken geordie portuguese to <laughs> two or three lads at the point of a pitch talking about the session <laughs> and them not having a clue and i'm like sweating trying to get the translator over but the translator is occupied with another coach yeah <laughs> so good memories yeah good i know i've uh i've worked in spain with a foundation for three years consecutive and I can tell you now that is probably one of the biggest challenges of coaching abroad. Um actually trying to just adjust your accent to to suit the players and it's not easy because you find yourself just talking so slowly and you just yeah. it makes it sound like, you know, you're talking to a two, three year old child when you're actually talking to a fifteen, sixteen year old uh, lad. <laughs> Yeah, and and again, like I'm sure you did this, like even with buzzwords, like you know, if you're not getting the pronunciation right, it's you know you could be you might as well be talking like a full paragraph to them. So yeah, it's a it's a good challenge for sure. Yeah, good. Um, so obviously, you know, the the chat we've had today, I, I think it's been really helpful. It's been helpful for me personally because as much as we we've discussed. Um, things in general since you've got back and on the webinars and stuff it's you know you can never you should never ever turn away advice and experience you, you learn from somebody who's worked abroad and I think people who do listen to the, this episode will will take something away from this so really appreciate um, you coming on and dis- discussing this um, finally um, we've got to change things slightly this week because normally what I would ask ask the guest is what they think the England start eleven is for Euro twenty twenty one as it'll be. Um we're gonna change it slightly because, you know, this weekend potentially next weekend would have been the last weekend of the Premier League. So even though we will restart hopefully in the next few weeks, I just want to get Lloyd's team of the season and don't say what you had written down, which was Liverpool, because that's too easy. You had to <laughs> had to challenge you. Lloyd actually researched, bless him. About half an hour, 40, 45 minutes of why Liverpool <laughs> should be the best team in the league this season. He had statistics, it was brilliant, but I've asked him to name 11 players who he thinks should be in his Premier League team of the season, so off you go, Lloyd. So, 4-3-3 four, four, three, three formation. Yeah. Uh, Alisson and Cole. Right. Um, I think he's been incredible, like, with some, some of the um, saves he's made in, like, Huge games both in the league and in Europe. Yeah, fullbacks probably is 
two of his close mates, Annie Robertson at left back and Trent at right back. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know if he's sitting on the fence, but they've, they've just been massive in term, terms of where Liverpool's played. Centre-halves, Van Dijk and Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> so at the minute, it's Liverpool, uh, Liverpool apart from Maguire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully it levels out with a few other clubs, so, <laughs> yeah. um, but not just yet. Fabinho <laughs> in a fourth and mid, and then we've got De Bruyne and Madison playing in front of them. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, then three, left to right, I've got Manny out on the left. Bardi is a number nine. He has a little start, 19 goals, leading goal scorer. So I thought, I can't be putting Aguero in or someone like that. So yeah. uh, he's joined by Salah to his right. Yeah, fair enough. It's not often you get stats on this podcast, but, you know, it's a first for everything. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd add that in. Brilliant. Um, so, that obviously... That concludes the episode. Um, so I'd like to thank again, thank you, Lloyd, for for coming on. It's like you said, it's been really, really um, good experience for me talking to you. It's always a good experience doing these podcasts, but it's it's good to get people from different backgrounds and people who've had different experiences from around either the northeast, the the country, or in your case, from from different countries. So um, thanks very much again, Lloyd. Yeah, no, thanks again, Scott. I uh, I've really enjoyed uh, being on your podcast. Um, so thanks everyone.